0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Porn and Capitalism. I have survived the snowpocalypse, as they called it down here in Texas. Unlike Ted Cruz, did not go to Mexico. Did not go to Mexico. You know why? Because I am scared to go to Mexico. Personally, I've never been to Mexico. I've been to a lot of countries, never been to Mexico. I'm scared to go. Um, But also, I just, uh, I didn't even know the airport was fucking open. But I guess it is if you're a U.S. senator. But... As as someone who grew up in Michigan, watching Texas deal with this snow thing was kind of hilarious. And some of you might be like, it's not funny to laugh. People died. People's apartments burned down. Sure. But I was also down here for it. So I get to laugh at it. If you died, that sucks. I don't know why you'd be watching this. But my point is, nobody down here has snow plows. Nobody, I saw someone trying to fucking, they, they they were using a broom to shovel their driveway. Okay? I grew up here. Michigan. You see that? We got snow shovels. No snow plows in the whole state. Don't mess with Texas. Okay? Unless unless it's snowing, then you could totally mess with Texas. And uh the the lack of preparation. And I get it. You're a southern state. You don't deal with snow a lot, like a state like Michigan, right? But it was just it was comical to me. Because I'm just watching everyone's like, what do we what do we do? I don't fucking know. Drive slower, first of all. But then the other problem is no snow plows. All the snow gets compacted into ice. It's a disaster. It was a disaster. We had rolling blackouts here in Frisco for about three days. Um, We didn't fully lose power at any point. We always had water, even though the water pressure was very low at different points, which they say is bad for you, but what are you going to do? We did have rolling blackouts, which suck ass. I think that was the first time in my life that I've experienced rolling blackouts. Now the great blackout of 2005 that hit a lot of the, the Midwest area and a lot of the country. I remember that it was about two days fucking sucked, but this was three days. So Sunday we still had complete power and everything. Monday we started having the rolling blackouts. It wasn't until about Thursday that we basically had power all the way back. Our water pressure is pretty much back at this point. Um, but it was interesting. It was interesting. You basically, we, uh, all, me and my roommates, me and my girlfriend and Justin Essemacher and J.D. Poe, we became pretty good friends. We were already good friends. But then we became such good friends that we hated each other because that's what you do when it's cold. And the only thing you can eat is chili off the fucking stove because your microwave doesn't work. You really got to connect with people at a different level when you run out of fucking electricity. By the way, how does nobody in the state of Texas have a generator that runs on gas? This whole state runs on gas and nobody has a fucking generator? I never thought I was going to need one of them. Never thought I was going to need one of them. These are doomsday prepper Texans who have 85 guns and enough rounds to to take down some of the smaller countries' militaries in the world and y'all don't have a fucking generator? I did not think I was going to need that. What the fuck? You thought when the apocalypse hit, there was just going to be power. You thought ERCOT was going to be cool during the apocalypse. You better prep otherwise, motherfucker. You know who was killing it? Alex Jones. I know he was. There's no way Alex Jones did not have power this whole time. Just saying. There's no way. But Ted Cruz did decide to leave. Ted Cruz left like a little bitch. Like a little bitch. He went down to Mexico. Well, my daughters, my daughters, my daughters. I thought your daughters were tough Texans. Huh? I want to go on vacation, Daddy. There's no school. Let's go on vacation. Wah. 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 You know, what, you know what a real Texas dad would do? This is how you can tell Ted Cruz is fucking Canadian because he's way too nice to his kids, all right? We ought to go to Mexico. Takes him to Mexico. You know what a real Texas dad does? He shoots his daughter in the fucking face. He says, bitch, this is not the time for this, all right? Your daughter, your your sister's already dead. You want to be next? No, stop bitching and start shoveling some fucking snow, that's what you do on the frontier. That's real Texas shit. But I guess he's Canadian. You forget about that Ted Cruz was born in Canada. He's a fucking Canuck. He's an immigrant. We should have deported him a long time ago. And everybody knows it. Should have deported Ted Cruz years ago. I was never a Ted Cruz fan, by the way. Didn't vote for Trump. Uh, I I I like Ron Paul. I thought his son Rand Paul was a bit of a nerd Um, but I never was a big fan of Ted Cruz and he tried to grow out the beard. He tried to pander to me. Guess what? Ted Cruz, it was never going to happen. He said, vote your conscience. So I voted for Kanye West. I voted Gary Johnson four years ago when he said, vote your conscience. People forget that. Ted Cruz came in second place to Donald J. Trump. A lot of people forgot about that. A lot of people forgot about the 2016 primaries, one of the most interesting races, I think, in political history, uh, the, the Republican primary in 2016. And that's why he lost, because he ran away. You know who didn't leave the country? Donald J. Trump. Chilling. Florida. Genius. Kidding. Um, But, I mean, everybody's freaking out on Ted Cruz. Everyone's like, dude, you left your state in the middle of a national emergency. And let's be honest, the governor, Greg, uh, Greg Abbott, I believe is his name, Governor Greg Abbott, he'd have left, but he's in a wheelchair. You ever try to drive a wheelchair in snow? Me neither, but I tried to I tried to take my shopping cart back the other day through the snow, and I was like, oh, yeah, this fucking sucks. They don't salt the roads? Do they not have salt? Is that a fossil fuel? Isn't salt a fossil fuel? The great state of Texas, no, no salt. Everybody here has a heart condition, no salt. What the fuck? The only place I saw anybody put any salt, I'm just, I'm pissed as a Michigander who is just embarrassed by my new home state and how they do not know how to handle the snow. I still love the freedom, baby. I still love it. I still love the affordable gas prices, even though they're going up. You guys got to figure it out on the snow. You got to call your cousins up north and be like, what the fuck do we do? No phone calls. No, nothing. Just, ah, we're going to go ahead and get through it. No generators. Walmart was shut down. I drove to fucking Walmart, through the snow, and they're like, we're closed. I'm like, you're in the bill. Just give me the food. Give me the food. You know what was interesting about Texas, and I may not have seen the videos, not a whole lot of looting going on in Texas. You know why? (laughs) Bang. You don't loot in Texas, bitch. You get shot. You literally get shot if you try to steal shit in Texas. So I I think, again, pros and cons, pros and cons to this beautiful state. But the snow is melting right now. Uh, I was just outside uh, smoking some pot, and the snow is melting. It's going to go away. I hope it doesn't ice over because there are going to be some mad black ice if it does. But it's going to be 69 degrees next week. That's right, 69 degrees in Texas next week. And guess what? Hey, that might be worth a couple lives. People die in Michigan all the time. Okay. All the fucking time. Guess what? It's not in Michigan. 69 degrees in February. Just saying. Just saying. <sighs> Speaking of deaths, and uh, obviously the COVID total is up to a number that nobody even cares about anymore. The great Rush Limbaugh has died. Rush Limbaugh, I almost called him Lush Rimbaugh. That's his poor name. But I don't want to disgrace and disparage the great Rush Limbaugh, one of the great radio personalities, definitely of the the last quarter century. Perhaps the greatest broadcaster in AM radio history. I don't know. I was looking up some NBA stats yesterday in terms of who scored the most points. Lamar's number three, I think, right now. But he is basically Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Rush Limbaugh was Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, essentially. He had the mean hook shot. He was a GOAT. He really was. And I remember, I used to listen to Rush Limbaugh. He came on, I think it was AM 760 in Metro Detroit. The great voice of the Great Lakes. AM 760. I would get in my Ford Windstar. I had a 1996 Ford Windstar with no heat, no power steering, and I used to drive it home from high school. We would get out at 2.10. I would get in the car around 2.15 or so, and I'd be able to catch the last 45 minutes of uh, El Rushbaugh. And I would drive home, and I'd listen to him. I didn't even have that long of a drive home. Sometimes I would get home, and I would flip him on at home If he was really, if he was really killing it. Now, mind you, if you're turning it on at 2.15 Eastern time, he's been going for over two hours at this point. This is a man... Who had And when you talk about gift of the gab, right, I do I do stand-up comedy. Uh, gift of the gab is something you refer to as, you know, it's somebody who can just talk. Hitler had the gift of the gab. Not always a good thing. You can use it for bad. Jesus had the gift of the gab. Did he use it for good or bad? That's up to you. Barack Obama, gift of the gab. Uh, great orators, right? A lot of great stand-up comedians. The Patrice O'Neill uh, documentary just dropped. I have not seen it yet. Gift of the gab but i mean rush limbaugh really truly exemplified the gift of the gab during a time when conservatism was on the rise and not necessarily far right conservatism but this was he, he i mean he he got big in the early 90s i believe in that time period post reagan i believe is when he really got rolling because when Ronald Reagan, and I wasn't around for any of this, but when Ronald Reagan was in office, obviously there was a lot of um, a lot of support for Reaganism, his brand of conservatism and everything like that. And not that there wasn't pushback. This country has always had very diverse viewpoints. But what Rush Limbaugh was able to do in the 90s and into the 2000s through the Iraq War, through George Bush and all of that, he was able— to get that perspective, that conservative viewpoint out to millions of Americans. Like this dude had, I don't know how many listeners on a regular basis. I guess I could look that up. But Rush Limbaugh, I mean, he he probably had 4 million listeners on an average day, I would guess. He died with a, a net worth of about $500 million, which, I mean, that alone, you have to respect a guy who's able to do that, Right. Um, so, okay, here's, it says December, 2019 estimated that the, his show attracted a cumulative weekly audience of about 15.5 million listeners becoming the most listened to radio show in the United States, 15 and a half million listeners on a medium radio, right? Radio. That's something that, that's so few people are able to do it's one of the most difficult mediums because you are literally relying on your voice right and this guy was able to garner f- the, he, the, the most listened to radio show of all uh, in the united states at least 15 and a half million listeners on a weekly basis and you know people can call him whatever they want to call him the the fact of the matter is you know whether he's hitler or jesus either way the guy could talk And the guy could get an audience and he could get an audience to listen. And that's an important thing. When you talk about Patrice O'Neal, right? Patrice O'Neal always, always, always dominated the room, right? There was nobody who ever thought for one second that Patrice O'Neal didn't have control of the room, right? I mean, I'm sure, you know, people who are closer to him might know better. But Patrice O'Neal was a guy who dominated the room. Gift of the gap, right? Rush Limbaugh dominated the airwaves. He did. And I remember listening to him. One of the things that Rush Limbaugh was so amazing at, he was so good at deciphering what the caller is going to go with, right? Because he would take calls live on the air. And and a lot of times you don't know how that's going to go. So he would take a call live on the air and within five to 10 seconds, he would be able to decipher pretty much exactly what is the perspective of the person calling? Do they agree or disagree with me? And he would make a decision accordingly. The guy was smart, okay? Now, was he Albert Einstein smart? Not necessarily. But he was smart in a very different type of way. Rush Limbaugh was able to make his opposition sound like an idiot. Because look, at the end of the day, whether you like it or not, he was running his show. He wasn't going to let someone make a great point against what he's been saying for three hours. He's not going to let all that go to waste. By some person calling from Jacksonville. He doesn't give a shit. That's bad for his show. That's bad for his business. Obviously, the right and the left, both have points, both have flaws. He knew that better than anyone, but he was great at selling the listeners, right? He was great at selling the listeners on the idea that Rush had the answers. His listeners, if you listen to, uh, if if you were to interview Rush Limbaugh listeners, diehards and fans like that, they would be like he he was the smartest man on the planet. And how did the guy who dropped out of college multiple times, how did he come off so smart to these people? Because he was able to frame his arguments in a way that they they were like, he has to be right. He can't not he can't be anything but right. And that's very clever. Very clever. He would shut people down so quick. And you hear sports, uh, you know, sports, uh, what do you call them? Sports radio guys, they do this too. You know, they'll recognize, okay, this is an out-of-town fan. Don't let, him, don't let him talk too much shit, and we'll shut him up. You can just hang up on him real easy. But Rush was good at it. And then, maybe even more to his credit, when Rush had a caller who agreed with him, he would let that caller feel important. And more so than that, he would let those callers feel heard. People say that Rush Limbaugh spoke to an audience that maybe wasn't heard for a very long time, or maybe they didn't feel like they were heard for a long time. It's really the same demographic, right? Uneducated white people, non-college educated white people, let's put it that way. That's the same audience that Trump had. It's the exact same audience. And I mean, it took Trump to the White House. It took Rush Limbaugh to the very top of radio. I I, there's something I mean Larry the cable guy did it right uneducated white people are such a large demographic in this country that if you can garner support among a wide swath of uneducated white people holy shit I mean 15 and a half million listeners on a fucking medium that's deader than disco are you kidding me cable television nobody watches that shit anymore. And you're telling me on AM fucking radio, he was getting 15 and a half million listeners in 2019? What? That's insane. It's really insane. And uh, that's, that's why when I say RIP to Rush Limbaugh, you have to look at it from the perspective of a guy who dominated his medium, greatest of all time, greatest radio person of all time, the GOAT. I talked about Jeff Bezos a couple weeks ago. You don't have to like everything that Jeff Bezos did, but you have to respect the game and you have to respect what he's able to do. You really do. And I, I view Rush Limbaugh in the exact same way. And I did listen to him a lot growing up and I would listen to him at other times too. And I saw a lot of people on Twitter talking about, Oh my God, you actually would listen to Rush Limbaugh. They would say this to, you know, like a Matt Taibbi. I think he posted, you know, people criticizing me for listening to having ever listened to Rush Limbaugh. It's like, dude, As he pointed out, Matt is a very smart guy. He said, if you've ever driven through any part of this country, there's really no option. It's either Rush Limbaugh, right? Or the the channel that plays Rush Limbaugh. So it'll be Rush Limbaugh offshoots, right? Sean Hannity, whatever. All kinds of different people. Conservative Talk Radio, which Mike Pence came out of that game, by the way. And he's going right back into it. They're going to put Mike Pence in the Rush time slot. I swear to God. And it's going to be awful because Mike Pence is not Rush Limbaugh. He's not. My point is, and I think I've lost it a little bit here, but I want to get back to it. The AM radio the 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 medium is so dead, but yet his voice was able to reach so many people because of how good he was. And yeah, a lot of the times he was the only literally the only show in town, right? You drive through certain parts I remember driving through Kansas, coming back from LA one time, coming back to Michigan and I'm driving through Kansas. And it's literally Rush Limbaugh, right? This is right before the pandemic. Rush Limbaugh, it's it's gospel and country. So I'm like, I guess I'm 100% listening to Rush Limbaugh now. It's Rush Limbaugh interviewing Donald Trump. He interviewed Mike Pence. And they were talking about COVID before COVID even happened. A lot of people forget. When COVID was just starting to gain, you know, popularity and notoriety, when COVID was on the come up, as you could say, There was an incident where Rush Limbaugh said COVID is a hoax. And they blew him up. They murdered him. They literally tried to kill him over this shit. And he came on the next day the way that Rush Limbaugh does. He came on and he said, look, I didn't say COVID isn't a real illness. Okay. I said that the way the mainstream media is handling Donald Trump's travel ban from China is a hoax. Okay. They're calling it racist. It's not racist. Now whether or not you want to say Rush Limbaugh's racist or Donald Trump's racist or whatever, I mean that's a that's a whole different discussion. My point with all of it, my point with all of it is you can't argue the simple fact that Rush Limbaugh did what he did better than anyone ever has been able to do. The best. Now if you want to um if you want to count Joe Rogan and be like, "Yeah, well Joe Rogan" He also is technically, oh, Jesus Christ, I'm fucking this up. Joe Rogan is also a, a gift-of-the-gab type guy where he has a radio show and he has, you know, millions and millions of fans. He gets, I mean, think about it. Joe Rogan puts out three episodes a week. They each get about, you know, 2 million views. Maybe he puts four out four, 2 million views. It's about 8 million. It's still less than Rush. It's still less than Rush. It's crazy. I mean, I think, uh, I don't know what, what Joe Rogan's uh, YouTube subscriber count is up to. And obviously, I know he's a Spotify guy now. Um, but I, I still don't even think he's at 15 and a half million, right? Now, listeners versus subscribers, obviously that's a that's always a tough comparison. Um, here we go. Joe Rogan, 10.4, 10.4 million subscribers, only 277 videos posted. So again, they took off a lot of his podcasts. But you know, it's gonna happen when you make a deal with Spotify. The other thing I really loved about Rush Limbaugh was the EIB network. Such a classic name e i b network the excellence in broadcasting network it's a great name the marketing the branding for it was phenomenal with the you know it kind of looked like a backwards three making the e i b you know the b and the e kind of mirrored each other it was beautiful and the way he had the 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 sound drop pump his sound drop as as he would you know go into commercial was Classic. It was classic. It was he was known for it, right? Like Rush Limbaugh was known for his ability, or, or not his ability, but like his sound drop and the EIB network and all these. It's like he was specifically known for these things. He was he was so niche. It's kind of like the song at the beginning of Joe Rogan. You know that song? I did a shitty job. I'm sorry. I don't own the rights. But you got to have something that people recognize. You know what I'm saying, and I think Rush he was he was a genius at it. He was a genius at marketing. He really was. I, I think a lot of people when they talk about top radio personalities, um, you know, you obviously have to bring up Howard Stern, uh, the Opie and Anthony guys, Anthony Cumia. You know, I think I think they would have to be up there in terms of like radio Hall of Fame. But Rush Limbaugh has to be up there. You know, if you have a Mount Rushmore, is Rush on it? A Mount Rushmore of radio, do you not have Rush Limbaugh on it? More Rush coming up next. I used to love it. I mean, I, I would listen to that shit constantly every day on the drive home for because it's like, look, I'm either listening to sports talk radio in Metro Detroit where it's like, hey, the Lions suck again this year, or you're listening to Rush Limbaugh break down the Obama administration piece by piece. It was amazing. Did it on a daily basis, daily basis. Howard Stern definitely has to be on your Mount Rushmore of radio. Definitely has to be. Um, but again, like I said, Rush Limbaugh was just a whole nother animal. And I think the the other thing that Rush did is he created careers for people like Tucker Carlson. People, people might not admit it, and the line isn't as clear. Sean Hannity, I think a lot of, because, I mean, it used to be Rush Limbaugh followed by Sean Hannity on the radio, right? So at that point, if you are following Rush, you're riding his listener coattails, basically, right? You're like, look, all the people who have been listening to Rush rant all day, now they're going to come listen to me and they're going to be like, who's this guy? I like this guy too. Who's this Sean Hannity guy? And then they watch his show on Fox News and they're like, he's throwing a football? He's throwing a football? I love throwing footballs. Let's throw a football. And I think he, in that way, he made a lot of careers. I think, Fox News wouldn't be Fox News without Rush Limbaugh. Because what happens? You know, you're in your car. You're in your big rig, right? You're driving down the highway in Iowa. You're listening to Rush, and he's just saying everything you've been fucking thinking about. The goddamn liberals and the fucking fucking New World Order and the UN and all this shit. And it's all coming. It's all Alex Jones, but AM radio style. Sellable. He's like the clean comic to Alex Jones' insane fucking crazy guy. Then you go home. You just been listening to three hours of Rush Limbaugh. You go home, you flip on the TV. What do you want to watch? You want to watch Fox News, baby. It makes you feel good. It makes you feel so good. Oh, Fox News with those blonde chicks telling me all the things I want to hear. Everything I've been listening. Everything I've been hearing. This genius with no face, Rush Limbaugh. I don't even know what he looks like. EIB Excellence. In bra- everything you've been hearing all day. You now get to see it from a hot blonde woman in prime time and i think for a large swath of the country that was genius marketing call it what it is it's fucking genius it really is it really is and uh you know so i just i just wanted to give a shout out to rush limbaugh because he is the goat he's the goat agree with him or not i don't agree with everything he ever said and I'm not going to say that I've never agreed with him either. Because I definitely have. But he, he still is someone who I think, whether you liked him or not, you have to respect what he was able to do. You have to. A lot of people don't like to respect champions. And I respect champions. I respect champions. Speaking of champions, I want to get into this week's Porn Star of the Podcast. We've got a classic, a winner, a real winner in my book. Give it up for this week's Porn Star of the Podcast, Veronica Avlu. Yes, Veronica Avluv. Here we go. The bio brought to you by Pornhub, as they are, because they are hilarious bios. Veronica Avluv, sometimes a girl comes around who seems to have been made for porn, which is great, but can be predictable. Sometimes when the stars of depravity are all aligned and a real woman comes along and makes a personal decision to do porn. Veronica Avluv is one of those real women A true cougar and MILF in every sense of the word, she took the MILF of the Year Award home in 2013, though she might as well have won the MILF of the Century. There is nothing fake about her personality or her performance. She is just that horny and sex-crazed in real life. All of her roles somehow reflect the real Veronica Avluv, which makes watching her in action like a documentary of happily depraved womanhood. Veronica loves pussy as much as cock and fucks guys and girls regularly, even when there isn't a camera within a hundred miles. You wouldn't believe how this classy dame can also take a wicked ass pounding from some of the hardest working cocks in the biz. It's no surprise why she is one of the most sought-after pieces of cougar fuck flesh out there when you see her strip down and let it all out. She has a pair of tits that would make the angels sing before they cut off their own wings to come down to Earth and suck on her nipples. Let's not even talk about the unspeakable things any being, earthly or celestial, would do to her mature pussy and asshole. That is Veronica Avluv, this week's Porn Star of the Podcast. Oh, there we go. There it is. There it is. A couple little stats on her. She is from Rowlett, Texas. Not sure where that is. Rowlett, Texas. Let's look it up. Rowlett, Texas. Yeah, it's in the DF. She's from the DFW area. Shout out to the very, very awesome Veronica Avluv, a DFW native. Uh, she is five 5'4", 106 pounds. She, she has fake boobs. Uh, her profile has 13.5 million visits. She started in 2010, it says here. Like I said, guys and girls, and uh, she operates all over the world. says all over the world. She is right now ranked Number 234 on Pornhub's porn star rank. So one more time, like I said, Veronica Avluv. Let's give it up for her while we got the soundboard going. Oh, yes. Veronica Avluv, a DFW native. Now, I want to get back to Ted Cruz. I do want to get back to Ted Cruz because that is kind of the news of the day. You know, everybody's talking about Ted Cruz and, you know, trying to figure out what's, what's the deal. So, Rafael Edward Cruz is his name, by the way. A lot of people don't know that. I didn't fucking know that. He was born in Calgary, Alberta. A lot of people knew that. A lot of people knew that. He's 50 years old. Uh, he, he is currently a uh, incumbent senator. He's been in office since 2013. So, he's been a senator for about eight years now and uh he he was reelected in an unusually close senate race in 2018 against Beto O'Rourke. O'Rourke. Beto O'Rourke. O'Rourke. I don't know how to say Beto's name. My point is this guy, this Hispanic Canadian comes into our country. This Canadian is scared of fucking snow and then he runs back to Mexico. So his mom, three-quarters Irish, one-quarter Italian, and her father is Rafael Cruz. Who is Rafael Cruz? Rafael Cruz is Cuban. He's a Cuban-American Protestant preacher and father of Texas U.S. Senator Ted Cruz. Rafael Cruz. So he is, he's, he's, uh, he's Cuban. He's not Mexican, I apologize. He is Cuban, which is interesting. You know, it's very interesting when you talk about Cubans. That was one of the the beauty parts of um, you know, the recent kind of uh you know, if you want to call it the right wing movement or the um they call it the black conservative movement. Pitbull's obviously not black, the, the singer Pitbull, the rapper Pitbull, right? He's not black, but uh he is Cuban, right? So he is Latin X, as they say. And he was on uh he was on a show recently. Cuba where does he talk about this he he was talking about Cuba it was a couple weeks ago I don't know the radio program that he was on but he was basically talking about how his family fled communism what radio I'm trying to figure out what what radio show what podcast was this on uh it was on revolt tv that's what it was a music-oriented digital cable television network founded by uh, Diddy, P. Diddy, Sean Diddy Combs, where he discussed the dangers of communism. He said, my family comes from communism. They fled communism. They had everything taken away from them. Everybody got murdered. Everybody got killed. That's what Pitbull said. That's the reason me, being a first-generation Cuban-American, I look at freedom, and I appreciate that shit. I appreciate every opportunity. That comes from the fact that Castro took over everything. Cuba, Cuba was taken over by Fidel Castro. Cuba, uh, a silly communist country today, a lot of people don't understand about communism. They take everything from you. That's what Pitbull was trying to talk about here, right? He was trying to talk about the fact, and, and, you know, say what you want about Ted Cruz. He's got a lot of flaws. Like, he likes to spoil the shit out of his fucking kids because he's a nice Canadian. Pitbull makes a good point here. There are a lot of Cuban Americans in this country. There are a lot. A lot of them are in Miami, obviously. It's near Cuba. But Cuba is a unique situation where it was, a, it was a pretty well-to-do country before communism came into play. And then communism came in and just shut everything down. The economy gets shut down. You know, people like to point out these pictures of um, grocery stores during COVID that had empty, empty aisles, right? No toilet paper, no bread. And, you know, I was at a grocery store here in Texas recently during all this apocalypse bullshit. And, yeah, there were empty bread aisles guess what? They still had tortillas and a ton of other food. The funny thing to me, though, is people are like, see, 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 empty shelves in capitalism. See, empty shelves, empty shelves. Now what, capitalism? Yes. Even capitalism cannot prevent natural disasters from causing people to have a run on the grocery store. Look, People are going to buy excess supplies if they're available and they feel that they soon may not be available due to natural disasters, snow apocalypses, hurricanes, na- you know, uh, uh, epidemics, things like that. Yes, people will go buy more than they need, especially if there is more to buy than they really need. They will buy it. They will take it. They will whatever. It will be gone. The problem is in communism. In 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 a lot of these Soviet. You know, communist Chinese examples, things like that. That's the norm. Empty shelves, it's just normal. People people will walk in, you know, in an Eastern European grocery store back during the Cold War. You'd walk into a grocery store and they, yeah, they got no bread today. No bread? No bread. Why? Is there an epidemic? Nope. Is there a big snowstorm coming? Nope. You just don't have any bread, huh? Nope, no bread. Why? Well, you know, because all of the supply is controlled and planned out, centrally planned. That's the beauty. Central planning. It's all planned and controlled by the government. And they fucked up the supply projections. So, yeah, we don't have any bread today. Oh. Oh. So, they just fucked up. That's what it is. Oh, okay. They just fucked up. Oh. Oh. Got it. They fucked up. They, oh, they, oh, they fucked up. You're telling me communist governments fucked up. And look, that's not to say that the market never fails. The market does fail, clearly. I mean, the market failed when it didn't have enough power for the people in Texas. You know, the market failed in that scenario. Was it because, you know, they didn't think that this was a possibility? Sure. For sure. Another part of it is, as soon as shit got cold, everyone in Texas cranked their heat to 85 fucking degrees. Guys. Guys. And, uh, you know, people want to say, well, if there had been all this regulation and all this government oversight and all this and all this and all this. Yeah, yeah, you're right. On that one, you're right. This particular case then would not have happened. But if you start imposing government regulations on literally everything, right? Texas loses what it is. Texas is no longer the uh, bastion of freedom that it currently is. And if so they say in 2011, they had a chance to winterize all this stuff. Should they have? Obviously, but they didn't. Why didn't they do it? Was it because they're cheap? Was it because they wanted to save money? Or was it because... The Texas mentality is that of, we'll get through it. If that shit comes, we'll get through it. I think that might be part of it. The Texas mentality is so very much, you know what? We're going to figure it out. It's not always planned. It's a little bit of Western root and tootin'. It's a bit of a root and tootin' state. I'm going to be honest with you. bit of a root and tootin' state. But that's the magic of it. That is the true magic of it. And that's why people flock here. People who grew up on Westerns, people who you know, love freedom, who value it, they, they flock here in droves. And for good reason, because at the end of the day, if Texas don't have freedom, who does? You can say Florida. Obviously, a lot of people going down to Florida. And Florida is a beautiful, beautiful state, parts of it. Just like parts of Texas are beautiful. I think most states have parts that are beautiful, except maybe New Jersey. I don't know. Every state has beauty to it, I believe, at some point. But part of Texas's beauty, the Texas way of life, is it lets you be an individual. It really does. It tries to aim at that. You know, they say, keep Austin weird. Austin is, Austin, the fact that Austin exists at all as a hippie liberal capital city, to me, is a testament to how much the state of Texas loves freedom. Texas loves freedom so much that they will allow one of their biggest cities to just be overrun by hippies and homeless people. Because that's what they want to do. Look, the people in Austin—they want to be hippies. They want to smoke weed, and guess what? Not all of them do. But you know, they want to be—they want to be weird. And you know what? Texas said, "You go ahead and be weird there. You be weird right over there. I'm going to do my shit here. You do your shit there. And guess what? We don't—we don't, want, we don't want to have a problem." What so I love about Texas, Texas is a very much one of those. We're gonna we're gonna see about that. We're gonna we're gonna see about that. Texas is a place where, you know, they talk about a New York minute. A Texas minute is about a minute and thirty seconds. Takes a little bit of time. You gotta you know you gotta slow down a little bit. And I've been trying to slow down. I'm not a, I'm not a I'm not a slow it down kind of guy. You know I've been trying to slow it down. Indicus. You know what I'm saying? Trying to slow it down. But in Texas, people look at it from a different perspective. They say we will get to it when we get to it. We will figure it out when we cross that bridge, right? We'll cross that bridge when we get there, whatever you want to call it. And I think this snow apocalypse was essentially that. Yeah, 2011, 2013, whatever it was, they were like, "Hey, we can winterize all this and then, you know, if we ever have a snow a big snowstorm, you know, no one will lose power, everything'll be fine." And in a very Texas way, they said, "Oh, We'll just, we'll figure that out when it happens. And guess what? They did. Did people die? Yes. People die in Texas all the time. Is it a tragedy? It is. Unnecessary. Sure. Should they have winterized it? I believe so. I think so. But that does not change the fact that the Texas mentality is what makes Texas, Texas. And you're not going to just simply change the mentality that easily. I don't think you can. I think changing mentality is harder than you think. That's why places are the way they are. And again, that Texas mentality is it's a beautiful thing. I saw earlier today, I was looking up on Wikipedia, I was looking at female governors. I didn't know Texas had had two female governors. And I got down a rabbit hole as you do on Wikipedia or as I do on Wikipedia. And I started looking at female governors in America The first uh, female governors, actually, uh, in the same year, 1925, female governors in the state of Texas and in the state of uh, Wyoming. I just want to pull up their names, because I think they deserve to have a... I think they deserve to get recognition. The first two female governors in the United States of America... uh, The first one, actually... Was in Texas. Her name was Miriam A. Ferguson. She served two consecutive, uh, uh, sorry, non consecutive terms, two non consecutive terms. She served two years from January 20th, 1925 to January 17th, 1927. She retired. And then she served again from January 17th, 1933 to January 15th, 1935, and again retired. The other one in the state of Wyoming was Nellie Ross. Nellie Ross served from January 5th, so she was the first. I apologize. It was Nellie Ross was the first female governor in in the U.S., first woman and only woman as uh, governor of Wyoming, January 5th, 1925 to January 3rd, 1927. She lost re-election. But those were the first two female governors in this country. And I I found that interesting because as I was looking at the maps and the stats and everything like that, I found out that uh, actually the state of Wyoming with Nellie Ross as their only female governor, the state of Wyoming actually has more combined female governors in their history than California and New York combined. Neither New York nor California has ever had a female governor. I found that fucking hilarious because I'm like, dude, those are the two most liberal, woke, out there, we need representation states, out, literally out there. And they, they had never had nothing. They never had nothing. No no women. No women. Shit. Hillary Clinton's your senator, but never a woman in, in, uh, in Albany. In Albany. Oh, my God. Look at Albany. I don't know. I'm just, I'm imagining there's some fucking New Yorkers who like to bitch about Albany. Oh, my God. Fucking Albany. I just imagine. I like to imagine that. So, yeah, shout out to Nellie Ross and Miriam A. Ferguson for being the first two women to be governors in the state, in the United States. Wyoming and Texas. Texas, by the way, has had two female governors, the other one being Ann Richards, who uh, served from January 15, 1991, to January 17, 1995. And uh, she lost reelection, I believe. To the great George W. Abush. but I want to check that out. She was defeated in 1994 by George W. Bush with 45.88 percent of the vote to Bush, to Bush's 53.48, while Libertarian Carrie Ellers got 0.64 percent. The Richards campaign had hoped for a misstep from the relatively inexperienced Republican candidate, but none appeared while Richards created many of her own, including calling Bush some jerk shrub and that young Bush boy. Yeah, kind of bit Ann Richards in the ass, but that's how we got W. That's how we got W. With that, I want to say thank you very much for listening to this week's episode of Porn and Capitalism. I've been your host, Marcus Oland. Uh, Again, I do want to have an actual porn star on this podcast very soon. Uh, I am trying to coordinate with her. It's been a little difficult with all these weather conditions, but hopefully next week we can make it happen, if not the week after that. Thank you again for listening. Have a great weekend.